I'm aware of your work, of course, all of this great work you've done over the years in the area of cryptozoology. But what a lot of people probably don't know is what what is your story? What drew you toward cryptozoology? How did you get involved? Um, so, sorry, you, you you can repeat again. Yes, yes. Uh, what what was it that that um, attracted you toward cryptozoology? Why why did you become oh, yes. interested? Um, well, um, I have been always interested in the animal kingdom okay uh, when i was a, a schoolboy i was reading books about uh, animals about uh, uh, animal kingdom okay and uh, also i was interested in uh, well uh, uh, scientific mysteries i would say mm -hmm. and uh, when i was a, a student uh, <clears throat> I read Bernard Velman's books mm -hmm. and articles, and I was very interested in them because uh, uh, this zoologist, because uh, Velman's was a, a zoologist, mm -hmm. uh, in my in my opinion, it seemed to ally the scientific uh, method, the scientific rigor. Mm -hmm and uh, an open mind to uh, uh, zoological mysteries. And that was very uh, important for me, uh, the, the both sides of the scientific research, uh, of this kind of research in cryptozoology. Uh, so I contacted Hövelmans uh, uh, <coughs> by, uh, by mail, not email at this time, <laughs> Because yeah. it was in uh, 1976. Uh, okay. 1976. Okay. And uh, uh, Evelmans uh, encouraged me, encouraged is this term? Correct. Um, to make uh, personal research on various uh, cryptozoological files. Mm -hmm. uh, well, in, a, in fact, I. Uh, I was uh, uh, interested, more interested in ill-known cryptozoological cases mm -hmm. rather than um, um, the, the stars of cryptozoology. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. Well, this is this is very interesting. I have many books on the Loch Ness monsters, the mm -hmm. Red Sea serpent, Bigfoot, uh, and so on. But my personal research. Uh, I did it uh, on uh, very, very uh, ill-known cryptids, mm -hmm. uh, even to cryptozoologists. Uh, for instance, I can give you uh, some some examples. That would be great. Um, well, I have, and of course, I have published a lot of articles, mm -hmm. both in uh, popular and peer-reviewed. Uh, journals. Mm -hmm. uh, well, and among these uh, rather obscure cryptids uh, about which I made personal research and, uh, and uh, uh, above <coughs> on which I published articles, 
uh, I can mention um, the um, uh, a flightless bird unknown to science in the Marquesas Islands. Oh wow! Uh, a small bear in northern Africa, the Atlas bear, which is mm. uh, <coughs> which is a more well known to to cryptozoologists and even zoologists. Uh, the late survival of the great whale, uh, the gray whale in the Atlantic Ocean, mm -hmm. uh, the forest rhino rhinoceros uh, in Central Africa, mm. uh, Charles Darwin's predicted moth in Madagascar, yes, etc. Uh, well, <coughs> well, why these uh, cryptids and not uh, the stars? Of cryptology, uh, in fact, because of uh, uh, two reasons. Uh, <laughs> the first one is that uh, I was interested in uh, the the cases where I could find um, quite new information, mm -hmm. quite new data, uh, because of course. Uh, Nobody or very few people had uh, uh, worked on this uh, on these cases on these files. And the second reason is uh, uh, that uh, because most of them are rather uh, small animals, well, uh, a moth, which is a, uh, not uh, <laughs> not too not too big, yes. Of, uh, Oh, well, 10 centimeters, mm -hmm. uh, four inches. Uh, the, um, uh, the, the, the flightless, the wingless blur bird of Ivaoa in the Marquesas Island, mm -hmm. uh, which is, uh, well, uh, like a hen or like a, uh, <coughs> a duck. Uh, oh, wow. Not okay. a very big bird. It's mm -hmm. not the thunderbird, okay, okay. Uh, etc. And these rather small animals, uh, I had uh, more, uh, well, it seemed to me that this was uh, more easy to prove their existence mm -hmm. and to, to see their, uh, their existence accepted by the consensus of uh, zoologists. Uh, rather than Bigfoot, uh, the Great Sea Serpent, yeah, and <coughs> and all the stars of cryptozoology, even Mokelimbembe, uh, etc. Um, and uh, well, um, I have um, I've seen that um, well many zoologists uh, uh, are agree with my uh, articles, I have been able to publish uh, scientific papers in scholarly mm -hmm. journals uh, like uh, Aquatic Mammals, uh, mm -hmm. uh, La Recherche en France, Espèce, that is to say uh, species, uh, mm -hmm. uh, <coughs> a quarterly magazine of natural history in France, uh, and so on. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think but that's but that's a very very deep and 
exhaustive list of, of some great animals and i've read many of your articles over the years and and it interests me that focus that you have on the the smaller uh less recognized species of cryptid well and what i'd like to know is why do you think uh the people in cryptozoology they tend to focus always on nessie or bigfoot instead of some of these small species like an unknown frog or moth or something like that why do we only like the rock stars and not the not the small easy to prove in one way uh, species of cryptid uh, well, uh i think there is a, a psychological reason uh, as the stars of cryptozoology uh, strike our mind uh, more than these obscure small cryptids because they are lar very large or very large mm. uh, because they uh, for the uh, hominids uh, of course they uh, they are in relation with uh, uh, our own species because we, <laughs> we are primates of course yes uh, because uh, uh, it, it is there is a link with our origin for the the uh, hominids, unknown yeah. hominids, um, <laughs> because they are related with some mythical creatures mm. uh, like the dragon for the Mokelimbebe or the mm -hmm. um, uh, the Great Sea Serpent or even Nessie in Loch Ness, uh, because they are uh, <coughs> uh, in, related with the other mythical uh, creatures mm. like the um, the wild man, of course. Uh, that that doesn't mean that they do not exist. Uh -huh. An animal may, of course, strike our imagination, uh, being may, uh, much uh, mythic, mythified, not mystified, but uh, mythified. Uh, I like that. Myth. Yeah, yeah. Mythified. It's very difficult to say. I'm going to take that. That's a great uh, word, mythified. For instance, the, the, the myth of the wild man, uh -huh. which is a, a stereotype. Mm -hmm. uh, the wild man from the satyrs of the antiquity mm -hmm. to the modern yeti of the Himalayas has always, in all times and all the, all the world, mm -hmm. uh, described as... Uh, Perry, of course, um, fond of wine. The searches of the antiquity uh, uh, yeah, were fond yeah. of wine. And uh, today, the, uh, the Yeti uh, is believed to be caught when the Sherpa, the mountaineers mm -hmm. of uh, Nepal, uh, put uh, a drink uh. Uh, on, uh, out of the, their home, and the yeti came, comes, sorry, uh, drinks the 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 wine. Huh. Of course, he became he becomes he becomes uh, completely crazy, and you can uh -huh. capture, you can caught, uh, catch it. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, and uh, third. Um, <coughs> third feature of the wild man, of the uh, mythological wild man, 
He is fond of women. Yes. Exactly like the Yeti. But, mm -hmm. of course, you can say, well, the statues of the antiquity, it's just imagination. Mm -hmm. The Yeti, why not? Uh, it's just a myth. It is imagination. Yes. But the same myth, the same fetches I was uh, uh, <coughs> analyzing uh, were reported also for the gorilla. Mm. The gorilla, very hairy, human-like, uh, fond of wine and uh, or alcohol, and uh, uh, catching the the, the um, black women to uh, make children with them. Wow. Of course, all that is uh, wrong, mm. but the, the the animal itself is real. And in fact, when a, a, a Western investigator uh, asked a Sherpa in Nepal in the 1950s, uh, well, uh, all, all, all what you are saying to me, uh, is this is mythical? Is the Sherpa a myth? And he replied very judiciously, uh, does a myth uh, make prints in the snow, footprints mm -hmm. in the snow? <laughs> so you, <laughs> you have uh, the, the tendency, uh, what is the, 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 the job, the work of the cryptozoologist? Mm -hmm. uh, it is to separate what is mythical, imaginary, and often very stereotyped from what is possibly real. When biological, uh, zoological, uh, behavioral, um, ecological, um, details are given by the witnesses, uh, it is quite different from the mythical uh, tradition. Okay? Mm -hmm. So the, 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 <coughs> the job the, of the critical cryptozoologist, and I think I am a critical cryptozoologist, uh, is to separate uh, these two aspects of the sightings, mm. because, of course, in the sighting itself, in the report of the witness itself, he is, um, um, there is a tendency of the witness to feel the mm. lack of information because his observation has not been mm. perfect. Uh, there are uh, some zones of uh, some, some lacks <laughs> some lack of uh, uh, of um, uh, in the in the witness. Okay? Yes, very much so. And uh, is, uh, is there is a tendency to fill the uh, the holes uh, with the <coughs> traditional thought, with the mythical thought. Mm -hmm. uh, well, this uh, phenomenon is much less uh, at work in the animal of the cryptids, which I have chosen to mm. 
um, to study. And uh, also, uh, I, I believe that uh, some of them might be proved to exist uh, much more rapidly than uh, Bigfoot, Yeti, uh, <laughs> and so No, on. but absolutely. And, I, I, I uh, couldn't agree this, more. This was the case. This actually occurred. Uh, for instance, uh, my first cryptozoological article about this flightless bird from the Marquesas Island, uh -huh. uh, I published it oh, more than 40 years ago. Well, it was in 1981, yes, in a scientific magazine, in a scientific journal, peer-reviewed journal. Um, well, I have, I had only sightings, testimonial evidence, but, uh, uh, well, uh, my conclusion from a few reports, a few sightings, was that um, it was a, a rail, okay, mm. a rail, a flightless rail, as many rare species <coughs> uh, are living in uh, uh, Pacific Islands. So mm -hmm. it was not very extraordinary that one more species was still living in um, the Marquesas Island and uh, possibly related to the Takahe uh, the Takahe is a, a, a New Zealand big rail. Mm -hmm. uh, that was in 1981. And um, um, when I sent my article to several ornithologists, uh, they, rep they uh, replied to me, well, your, your presentation of this file is uh, convincing. Uh, Yes, it is probably uh, an unknown rain, but, well, it cannot be related uh, to the New Zealand Takahe, uh, the, the scientific name of which is Porphyrio Orchteteri. We uh, recall the generic name Porphyrio. Uh -huh. Well, it cannot be a Porphyrio because uh, there is a, a gap in the geographical range of okay. the of porphyrio genus, uh, a, a gap of um, well, three hundred and two, uh, three thousand more than three thousand kilometers between Fiji Island, uh, New Zealand, uh, New Caledonia, uh, and uh, Eastern Polynesia, like uh, the Marquesas Islands. So it may be a rail, okay, an unknown rail, but certainly not uh, belonging to the genus Porphyrio. That was in 1981, as I said. Uh, seven years later, in 1988, uh, <coughs> bone remains, uh, fossil bone remains were found in Hivaoa Island, precisely, just precisely the island where 
the witnesses uh, had been recorded. Wow. Wow. And this uh, uh, bone, well, I say fossil bones, but not fossil, in fact. Uh, uh, <coughs> zoologists, archaeologists speak of sub-fossil remains. Uh -huh. That is to say, the, the bones are not even yeah. uh, mineralized. Mm -hmm. There is still the collagen of the bone, the, well, and they are uh, nearly only, fresh. Uh, well, less than thousand years old, wow. about five, uh, seven hundred years old, for instance, in Hivawa. And they belong to a new species of porphyrio, Pocorico, <laughs> Tikiriki. <laughs> Um, <coughs> uh, which has been named Porfario Paepae. Paepae, the Paepae in uh, Polynesia are platforms made of coral of, or of basalt. Oh, okay. Uh, which uh, which um, are used as uh, um, um, to, to the food remains, mm -hmm. to, to get rid of food remains. I know what you mean. And um, or to to make also uh, um, ceremonial ceremonies. Uh, uh, well, like an altar, was, almost just, like an altar. Sorry, they are like an altar, almost. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it was just that uh, the the people, the the Polynesian people, uh, said about their. A mysterious bird mm -hmm. that it was uh, eaten by uh, uh, mm. the French colonists. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> the French colonists, and uh, okay. that it was uh, uh, used also for the, its feathers by the chiefs okay. uh, in, in ceremonies. Okay. Uh, well, uh, that was in 1988. Uh, in 2000, uh, <coughs> one of my correspondents wrote to me uh, saying that, uh, uh, do you know that Paul Gauguin, Paul Gauguin is a famous French mm -hmm. painter. Uh, he was, uh, 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 <coughs> he spent the three last years of his life in Tahiti oh, uh, and yes. in mm. Ivaoa, mm -hmm. in Ivaoa, just the island uh, we are talking about. Uh, so this correspondent, in fact, the, the president of the Ornithology Club of Tahiti. Okay. And uh, he, said, he, he said to me, um, do you know that the um, Paul Gauguin, Painted the bird you are speaking about or wow. in your article. <laughs> uh, no, 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 not at all. And uh, well, I made uh, some research on internet and I found the painting uh, made by Paul Gauguin in 1902. Wow. Uh, a few months be before his death. Uh, in Ivawa. The painting is uh, called uh, The Sorcerer of Ivawa. 
Wow. The, le, le sorcier d'Ivawa, in French. The sorcerer of Ivawa. And, well, uh, I, I cannot uh, share uh, a photograph here. Uh, you might be able to. Can we just see? Uh, yes, if you go to the bottom, it ah, should allow um, you to share yeah. screen. I think everybody has permission. It has a little green arrow ah, facing out. Yeah. Share the screen, yes. Uh, sorry. No problems. Can't wait to see it. Take my. You must have felt elated, Michelle, when you heard that news about Gauguin's painting, that the evidence was there in 1902. Uh, one moment, please. Okay. Uh, Birds, birds, birds. Okay. Um, so this is the um, this is the Gauguin okay. painting from 1902 that we're going uh, to see. Yes. Uh, this is the. Ah, uh, you have deactivated the screen for the screen share. Oh, I have. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> let me just uh, let me just have a look. Um, to uh. Um, okay. No, I cannot do it. Oh. No. Okay. Yeah, um, um, well, what's it called? Well, um, Paul Gauguin. Paul Gauguin. Well, what's the name of the painting? The sorcerer. Uh, sorry, uh, one moment. I want imprint. Uh, print. Okay. I might have it here. Okay. Uh huh. Okay, and there's a well, sort of a young lady. I imprinted it. Are oh, you printing show it? <laughs> Okay, sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll try to share it too if I can. Um, print. Okay. Well, um, and uh, okay. Uh, so, is, uh, um, is this it? Paul Gauguin. Do you see it? Uh, ah! <laughs> this is it? Okay, you. And where is the bird? This is the bird down here? To the right? Ah, yes, this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. And as you see, uh, there is uh, this bird, uh, blue and uh, green. Uh -huh. uh, and you remark that there is a dog which mm -hmm. is biting the back of the bird. And uh, in fact, uh, the famous Takahe of New Zealand, when he was kept, when he was caught, uh, three of the four first first four specimens uh -huh. were caught by dogs uh, <laughs> running after the uh, okay. this bird. Oh gosh! Okay. So they were sitting ducks. They were easy targets, basically. Okay, okay. 
Well, I know. I think that's an amazing discovery, and especially um, to get such a discovery from 1902 that you've been searching for. You'd written about it, you know. You've done all of this research, and then suddenly Gauguin had found it and incidentally painted it over a hundred years ago. Um, can I ask you? I'm wondering from your perspective what what makes an animal a cryptid. So this this bird is is a, a type of prefer it's and it's unknown or it's a species that oh. we're not supposed to know about. Is that a cryptid or is this just a um an undiscovered subspecies of a of an already well known type? I mean um, well what makes uh, a cryptid? Does it have to be a completely new animal or can it be just something of um of a previously unknown unknown uh, variety mm. um so uh, the question is what makes an animal a cryptid yes well uh bernard Velmans, who is considered the father of cryptozoology uh, he made uh, the the word cryptozoology mm -hmm. in in the 1950s uh he, he, <coughs> um he gave this definition of cryptozoology. I quote, the scientific study of hidden animals, uh, that is to say, of still unknown animal forms about which testimonial and circumstantial evidence is available mm -hmm. or material evidence considered insufficient by some. Uh -huh. So, cryptozoology is uh, not only interested in sightings, uh, testimonial evidence, or in autoptical evidence, that is to say material evidence, such as photographs, footprints, uh, videos, etc. But also, and it is very important and often uh, forgotten, also in circumstantial evidence mm -hmm. uh, and well for instance <coughs> if you uh, study several sightings several reports of witnesses and that uh, these <coughs> reports uh, are consistent with uh, uh, geology, biology, zoology, uh, ethology, ecology, etc. Then the testimonial evidence is becoming a circumstantial evidence, mm -hmm. not to speak of uh, uh, material evidence, which is of course the best one which can be obtained. Um, I, I would like to give you two examples of right. animal forms, the existence of which has been inferred from circumstantial evidence only. So it was, there were cryptids at one time and <coughs> without any sighting or without any material evidence. The first one, is uh, the famous uh, 
predicted moth. In, in 1861, mm -hmm. uh, Charles Darwin proposed the existence in Madagascar of a moth with a proboscis 10 inches long, 25 centimeters long, mm -hmm. from the study of an orchid, uh, <coughs> a plant, uh, from that island, from Madagascar. Uh, because he, he remarked that only an insect with such a, 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 a proboscis mm -hmm. could fecundate um, the, the orchid uh, Angaricum sesquipedale. Well, that was in 1861. Uh, and this theoretical insect, this cryptid insect, mm -hmm. if I can say, was actually found in uh, and described as late as 1903. Wow. That is to say 41, 42, 42 years later. Uh, and it was named Xanthopan, the, the, the genus was already known, but with a very uh, shorter proboscis in, uh, <coughs> in continental Africa. But the species of uh, uh, Madagascar, with its, uh, its very, very long 25 centimeter, 10 inches long proboscis, was named Xanthopan predicta, that is to say, mm. predicted. That is a, uh, an important victory of cryptozoological yes, mind, a true cryptozoological mind. Uh, <coughs> uh, but uh, well, long before the name, the, the word of cryptozoology uh, was created by Havelmans. More recently, much more recently, one century later, in 1989, 1989, uh, the existence of an unknown South American lizard mm -hmm. uh, of the genus Gymnophthalmus was uh, suggested by four American scientists from the study, the, from, sorry, uh, from its genetic print, mm -hmm. we could say, on the parthenogenetic species Gymnophthalmus underwoody. Wow. So one uh, parent species was known, and the second parent species was unknown. But these four scientists uh, predicted the existence in Venezuela of this lizard. Uh, the, uh, the its chromosomes, its serum proteins, etc. Wow. And this cryptid species was found two years later in 1991 and it was named <laughs> Gymnophthalmus cryptus. Cryptus, that is to say cryptic. Extraordinary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, well, this time only two years uh, <coughs> and not 42 like the. Madagascar. Uh, no, absolutely, but, absolutely. But well, uh, it, was, it is very interesting that uh, 
Oh, in there are scientific articles of these four scientists. Uh, you will never see the, the word cryptozoology. However, no, their work is uh, 100% cryptozoological. I, uh, <laughs> and, and also for Darwin uh, in uh, 1861. Uh, 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 well, so that I said, the main um, uh, the main work of cryptozoologists is to transform testimonial evidence, mm. which is of course very weak. Uh, uh, there, there are a lot of a lot of uh, errors uh, of uh, uh, of hoaxes, of course, uh, <coughs> misun uh, misunderstandings. Uh, and so on. So the uh, cryptozoologists have to transform testimonial evidence mm -hmm. in circumstantial evidence. Mm -hmm. um, and well, that is the case uh, for some files. For instance, in the in the case of the Bigfoot, um, uh, some some scientists have tried to make a curve of the alleged size of the Bigfoot. Yes. From, uh, of course, the, the, the witnesses' accounts. And also of the, um, and, and this time it's not, uh, um, and also for the footprints. And this time it is not alleged uh, sight, uh, sightings, but uh, actual footprints. Mm -hmm. Photographed or uh, um, yes. <coughs> yeah. Well, uh, and in both cases, the curve is consistent with the uh, Bergman rule. I don't mm -hmm. know if you know the Bergman what, rule. What is oh, the everybody watching? Well, what is the Bergman rule, rule? Which say that uh, a northern. Uh, uh, northern form animal forms mm. are very great, very large, and thousand uh, um, forms are much smaller. Mm. It's uh, only a phenomenon of uh, to uh, uh, for the uh, the heat. Mm. Uh, it is more uh, easy to to be small in uh, in thousand. Uh, um, and in hot climates, mm -hmm. okay, then, uh, well, uh, and if you uh, study the curve of uh, the, the size uh, of, the, of the Bigfoot from the witnesses' accounts and of the footprints from the photographs taken, uh, the, it is the same curve. Uh, Consistent, as I said, with the Bergman rule. Uh, large, uh, large individuals in the north, uh, much smaller in the south. Uh, that is, that's well, very interesting. Do you think that uh, it was published in uh, uh, Men Like Monsters on Trial? Mm. Uh, a very, uh, uh, it was a, a conference on. Uh, Human-like Henry Humanoids mm -hmm. uh, in the uh, 1980s. Uh, <coughs> well, 
Um, okay. <laughs> well, no, I'm mean, absolutely. I would. Well, I did have a question for you about that actually, which was in regards to unknown hominid species. Do you think there could be several species? So, would these footprints between north and south, this size variation, represent several different species of unknown hominid, or do you think we're looking at one specific? Oh genus that's that's has variability of size and and uh, i know coloration throughout these uh, these I, different regions uh well uh if these uh, human like hairy creatures uh, do exist they are primates mm -hmm. most of them uh now the primate order in zoology is extremely diversified. Nowadays, we, <coughs> we know more than 400 living species of primates. Okay? More than 400 living species have been described by zoologists, mm -hmm. mainly primatologists. Uh, and among these more than 400, living species, 25 were described in the years two and 2000 and 36 in the year 2010, wow. okay? And uh, among these new species of primates recently described, several ones were large enough uh, like, for instance, uh, the Kipunji, Rungwe Sebus Kipunji, and Cercopithecus lumaniensis, both from Africa, mm. uh, Rhinopithecus trichary in Burma, uh, Southeast, Southeast Asia. Uh, therefore, it is not impossible that large unknown primates remain to be discovered nowadays. Mm. After all, the, the gorilla uh, has entered zoology as late as uh, 1847, mm -hmm. uh, although its existence uh, had been uh, existence, morphology, food, habits, uh, and so on, had been reported uh, by Western travelers in the 17th and the 18th century. Mm -hmm. And the pygmy chimpanzee, the bonobo, mm -hmm. has been described as late as 1929. Wow. So why not the yeti or the orang pendek mm -hmm. in the 21st century? It is quite, uh, quite possible, at least it's not impossible from uh, the, uh, the, the rate of discovery of new primate species. Yeah. Now, yeah. if there one or several unknown species of primates? Well, I would say several species, just like other primates. As I said, it's the more, one of the most diversified zoological orders uh, among mammals, I said, as I said previously. Mm -hmm. Also, second reason, one and the same species cannot uh, possess at the same time a sharp pointed head and a flat, flat head. 
uh, elongated feet and very broad feet, a human-like mm. big toe and an opposable big toe. That is impossible, that it is the same one and the same species. So I would say that, well, several species are involved. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, however, how can we prove their existence? Of course, we have uh, testimonial evidence, circumstantial evidence for, and even for some of them, material evidence, although, uh, though considered insufficient by some, I mean, mm -hmm. footprints, uh, um, photographs, videos, uh, sometimes even excrements, uh, hairs, and so on. Yeah. But now the situation may change, may be different in the, in the years to come. Uh, because we have uh, a new test which are possible, uh, DNA analysis mm. of hairs, excrements, uh, might give uh, um, the, the solution. Uh, well, <coughs> Brian Sykes made analysis uh, a few years ago of some hairs, uh, alleged hairs of uh, uh, Bigfoot, wild men, uh, and so on, but all of them were from horse, uh, <laughs> yes. Um, <coughs> not one from a primate. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, but wait. Uh, now, when um, excrements uh, uh, are collected, it is possible to make a DNA analysis. And even if you have not. Um, even if you have not uh, uh, a fragment of the animal itself, a hair, excrements, uh, <coughs> and even, of course, uh, a, a bone fragment, even if you have not the single piece of the animal itself, it is possible to have evidence of his form, its former mm. reasons mm. by uh, a technology which is known as environmental DNA. Mm. Uh, one of my... Very exciting. Uh, one of the finds I am working on is the White Oreki of New Zealand. The White Oreki, uh, an otter-like animal. An animal... Okay. Uh, oh, the White Oreki. Yes, yes, yes. In New Zealand, mm. looking like uh, mm. uh, an otter. Yes. Uh, <coughs> which is quite uh, um, crazy because there is no native mammal in New terrestrial native mm -hmm. mammal in New Zealand. Uh, so the, the existence, uh, the survival of uh, um, an otter population, mm -hmm. of course, uh, brought by sailors a few, a few centuries ago, would be... Uh, uh, extraordinary, but uh, there is another possibility, uh, even more extraordinary. It might be 
uh, a monotrem, that is to say, um, uh, an aquatic mammal uh, related to the platypus of Australia. Wow. Uh, well, uh, we, <coughs> this animal is uh, reported to live in the some lakes and rivers mm. of uh, um, South uh, Island of New Zealand. Uh, well, we have, uh, again, we have footprints looking like that of an otter or why, also of a platypus, uh, webbed feet, uh, five toes, etc. Um, the general shape is that of a small otter, uh, two feet long, um, or on a, of a platypus as well. Uh, <coughs> the, the animal is said to have a nictitating membrana on the on a, a third eyelid, if you want, uh, which is also uh, a feature which you find in the in otters uh, or in the platypus. It is said to not only to swim but also to dive. Uh, in the water, uh, it has burrows uh, opening in the okay. river bank, wow. uh, which have been photographed, etc. So uh, we have a lot of testimonial, uh, circumstantial, and even material evidence, but that's, not the animal itself. Of course, that's fascinating. But really fascinating. Now, with the environmental DNA techni technology. Uh, it is easy to uh, to can, to um, analyze uh, some uh, <coughs> quantity of water from mm. the rivers or lakes where it has this animal has described has been mm. reported, and to search for DNA. Uh, even we, if we, if you have not the animal itself, uh, to search for DNA uh, of this cryptid and to compare them, to compare, sorry, to compare this DNA uh, with that of uh, uh, monotremes, otters, or, or uh, the official theory, ferrets, minks. Uh, okay. <coughs> Uh, and all the uh, pets. Mm. <laughs> well, uh, it, the water which, is, it fascinates me. Yeah. my membrana, yeah. uh, of which known as webbed feet, uh, etc. Okay. And of, of which known is able to uh, dive against the current and yes. to, uh, the, so to swim under against the current, sorry, mm -hmm. and oh, even more unable to to dive in the in the depth of the of the river or the or of the lake, and um, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think, Michelle? How and I've been fascinated by the Waitareki for for a little while. I never heard the theory that there were otters brought by sailors that really does make sense that the animal isn't originally in uh, native to the island but it was bought hundreds of years ago but otters are conspicuous animals 
why do you think what new characteristics or behaviors could this otter a white reiki have developed if it's an otter to stay out of sight um well i i, I um in the 1970s uh g a pollock a solicitor but we he, he was fond of uh, zoology mm-hmm. uh he made a lot of uh, uh field inquiries and he <coughs> uh, uh he had a uh, um he, he registered uh, a lot of uh, uh witnesses accounts uh, about the so called uh new zealand otter uh, pollock um thought that it was a true otter mm. uh, brought by uh, sailors of several centuries ago mm-hmm. uh more precisely uh, indian or bengali uh, uh sailors because uh, in bangla uh, in the uh in the present bangladesh mm. and in a part of india uh, a traditional fishing method is to use otters mm-hmm. otters yes to uh, catch uh fishes um so super uh, pollock mm-hmm. uh believed that uh, these uh, uh well sailors uh, indian sailors several centuries ago uh, reached um new zealand uh, long before uh, uh englishman <laughs> and uh long before uh, james cook in fact mm-hmm. and uh, uh well they some otters escaped and uh, continue to reproduce themselves and to of course to to live in new zealand well that is the uh, pollock's theory uh it is true that uh, uh many details reported by the uh, witnesses and even the uh, the burrow the the footprints photographed etc uh, uh <coughs> are consistent with the otter theory but the same features are also consistent with the an aquatic monotreme theory mm-hmm. uh and in fact there are several uh witnesses uh several accounts which are not consistent with the otter theory mm-hmm. for instance one of the witnesses said that uh, the fur of the white oriki uh he was a, a a seal hunter okay mm-hmm. for the for the fur of the of the seals and he said he had also killed uh, a white oriki resembling an otter okay and he said that the, he got rid of its fur because it was uh, uh, not uh, the it had not the quality of the fur of the seal yeah. well if you are uh, if you know 
the otter fur. It's mm. one of the most precious fur uh, among uh, uh, pelletry. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, on the other hand, the fur of the uh, of the platypus uh, <coughs> is not very uh, uh, very. Um, uh, how do you? How can I say? Uh -huh. um, it's not very precious. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, second, uh, second reason. Uh, otters are very discreet animal, very shy, and it is uh, easy to find their uh, their excrements or, or more exactly, their sprains. Mm. Sprains is the kind of uh, excrement with the remains of. Uh, fishes uh -huh. uh, dropped by the otters and uh, I have uh, about 100 reports 100 sightings uh, of the of the about the white orchid mm -hmm. about 100 sightings I have only one or two or maybe two uh, reports of excrements mm -hmm against a uh, hundred eyewitnesses sighting. Okay? For the author, the proportion, the ratio should be exactly the contrary. One should expect hundred reports of sprains, of excrements, uh -huh. and yeah. from time to time, and very rarely, the observation of the otter itself. Mm -hmm. uh, we have otter in France. We, you have otters in England. Yes. yes. But it is very, very rare to see, to watch, uh, to look at an uh, an otter. Uh, I made a, a field um, field research of otters in southern France. Uh, well, 40 years ago, uh, we found several times uh, sprains, mm -hmm. that is to say the typical excrements of mm -hmm. the otters, but never saw them. Uh, so they did exist. <laughs> well, and as I said, for the white orchid, the proportion between excrements is exactly the contrary. Uh, so, well, 100 more times uh, sightings than excrements. Uh, well, strange. For all these reasons and other ones, I, for the moment, I believe that the, uh, I rather think that the white orchid is a monotreme, an aquatic monotreme, mm -hmm. unknown to science, of course, uh, yeah. in New Zealand. But well, uh, in the last uh, uh, 40 years, um, uh, things have, have changed because um, monotremes, more or less related to the platypus, has been found not only fossil monotremes, has been found have been found not only in Australia, but also in Patagonia, in South America, 
when both continents uh, were uh, made Enjoyed. one and the same mm. uh, landmass, the Pangea, mm -hmm. uh, many million years ago. Uh, <coughs> and also uh, fo a fossil mammal, native terrestrial mammal, uh, uh, has been found in New Zealand uh, uh, Miocene, Miocene deposits uh, uh, 20 million years ago, uh, about 20 million years ago, yes. Uh, and, um, well, the former presence of uh, native mammals in New Zealand is not uh, in, in, an impossibility. Now it is proved that uh, they do they did exist mm -hmm. uh, 20 million years ago, at least. Um, so uh, uh, it's fascinating, and uh, the Wajaraki, especially that's you know that's really circumstantial evidence. Yeah, that that's really captured my imagination recently because it's the the what could it be in New Zealand? And I think your theories about it, what it is, what it could be, are. I have um I have tweaked my interest tonight, and I'm going to have to do a little research after this again, and really look into it. Um, I know you haven't got a lot of time, Michelle, but I just wanted to perhaps ask you about one more of the things that you've studied before you go, which is the giant octopus. Wow. Now, um, I'm fascinated stories about giant cephalopods, but I find it hard to justify their their size. Do you do you have any theories? Have you come across any? ideas in your research about how they could attain such a, a gigantic size if if they are as big as people report well um uh, yes i have been very interested in uh giant cephalopods and i uh, i even published a, a book mm -hmm. tentacle tentacles uh, uh well for 15 uh, sorry uh yes 15 years ago um well the the most uh, well known well uh, <laughs> well known if i can say uh giant cephalopod is a giant squid architectus dux uh, which has been scientifically described by uh, a Danish Stenstrup in 1857. Mm -hmm. uh, but the the existence of uh, the giant squid had been reported since, since Pliny the Elder, Pliny the Elder mm -hmm. in the first century uh, of Christian era. Mm -hmm. uh, well, and of course reported uh, in in the following centuries uh, <coughs> uh, and even uh, uh, drawings or paintings were available in the 17th century of the giant squid architectus but it was scientifically described only uh, one century uh, and a half ago um, uh, when uh, the first remains uh, were caught of uh, um, uh, Bahamas Islands, well, uh, or Bermuda Islands. Uh, this giant squid uh, can be about 
10 meters, uh, trend, uh, more than 30 feet long, but there may be more uh, longer uh, specimens, much longer, much larger, uh, or even uh, unknown species. Uh, for, how can we say that? Because huge scars on the body of sperm whales uh, have been uh, uh, reported and photographed, and they suggest that uh, as individuals or maybe unknown species twice or thrice the longer than the, the longer officially uh, accepted, that is to say 20 or 30 um, meters long, wow. uh, that is not impossible. Mm. Also, uh, in the past uh, 20 years, um, photographs and videos taken by uh, oceanographic uh, deep sea vehicles have been taken, uh, yes, in, uh, in various oceans uh, of a kind of large, very large squid, about 20 feet long, uh, a very big fin squid, as it is popularly known. Uh, the, the, the scientific name is Magnapin, Magnapinidae, mm -hmm. uh, the, the Magnapinids, the family uh, of the squids. Uh, <coughs> before these photographs, it was only known by uh, <coughs> very, very small specimen, very, very small juvenile uh, young specimen. But uh, they uh, can reach, we now know that they can reach at least 20 feet in length. Well, now concerning the existence of octopuses as large or even larger uh, than the giant squid Architetes. Is it possible? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, in the oceans, all is possible. The ocean is the, the, land, the land of the giants. Mm -hmm. uh, <coughs> Whales, of course, but also uh, large fishes uh, 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 like the, the whale shark or the le requin pèlerin. How do you say the basking shark? Sorry. Basking shark. Yeah. Um, so uh, why not octopuses? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, for the existence of such a large, very large octopus, the main piece, <laughs> that is to say, <laughs> it is a case of to saying, uh, the main piece was the huge mass of organic tissue found, found on the beach of St. Augustine in mm. Florida in 1897. Yes. Uh, uh, Professor Veril, uh, a specialist, uh, an expert, in uh, uh, giant cephalo in cephalopods and particularly in giant squid, uh, when he received uh, photographs uh, of the so-called Florida monster, as it was uh, nicknamed, mm. um, in the first time he thought that it was the remains 
of a giant octopus uh, with arm, uh, well, uh, about 100 feet, 30 meters long. Wow. And he named it uh, Octopus Giganteus, the, the giant octopus. Hmm. Uh, why, why so large? Because of the photographs. Uh, uh, <coughs> on the photographs, you see that it is several meters long. Uh, one of the uh, the people, the, the doctor David Webb, uh, a, a local uh, surgeon of uh, Saint Augustine, who was fond of uh, natural history, uh, he took photographs. Uh, he used uh, four horses uh, uh, cables to um, uh, <coughs> uh, drag to make uh, a few meters. Uh, uh, on the on the beach with the with the carcass with the, with a cadaver, uh, he, he said that the the, the, the cadaver was uh, several tons in weight, uh, etc. But uh, later, uh, a few days later, uh, this doctor David Webb sent samples. He cut samples on the on the cadaver uh, of the Florida monster. He sent them to Dr. Veril at Yale University, and uh, Veril changed his opinion. Mm -hmm. And in fact, he thought that it was simply uh, the remains of uh, the, the tissue found in the head of the sperm whale. Uh, okay. Well, and uh, uh, seven year, 70 years later, uh, well, analysis, analysis was made, biochemical, uh, histological, and so on. And uh, there was a, an endless controversy. Uh, was it uh, a the remains of a giant octopus or, or of, a, of a sperm whale? Well, uh, in, at the end of the uh, past century, I have been associated in DNA uh, analysis mm. uh, on the remaining samples of the, uh, the really? Florida monster with Dr. Joseph Gennaro Jr., mm -hmm. uh, of the, uh, formerly of the uh, University of Florida in Miami. Um, and a DNA analysis uh, using the PCR uh, method which is very uh, now very well known yes. uh, with the COVID uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> coronavirus. Become familiar with the PCR, PCR method. DNA yeah. analysis <laughs> uh, became famous uh, mm. with uh, this uh, terrible uh, coronavirus. Yes. Well, uh, but the results uh, of the test uh, uh, made by Gennaro, uh, and I worked with with. Uh, in relation with him uh, from France, uh, were uh, made uh, the, the results in 2003 uh, were quite astounding, unexpected. Uh, well, 98 or 99% match with Cyprinodon variegatus, the scientific name from a, a, data, uh, a data bank Mm -hmm. uh, database um, of uh, DNA uh, samples 
Cyprino uh, uh, donvarigatus is a very small, very, very small fish, two inches long, five mm. centimeters long, living in the Gulf of Mexico. Well, that was completely crazy <laughs> the result because the photographs and the, and the yeah. people of the time, uh, one century earlier, said that it was several tons in weight, several meters in length. Uh, could it be uh, <coughs> a very small fish, two inches long? <laughs> well, only six years later, yeah. I was able to find a document. Uh, <coughs> in fact, the uh, a, a, a whole book about thousand pages uh, long. Oh gosh! Uh, all the 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 things uh, bought or received by the Smithsonian Institution in. 1896 oh, okay. and 95. Mm -hmm. uh, and, well, uh, I, I can read, uh, sent by Dr. David Webb, sample of the uh, Octopus Giganteus, mm -hmm. yes, photographs of um, uh, Octopus Giganteus, and in the same tank, in the same for, uh, uh, formaldehyde tank, mm -hmm. uh, Samples of uh, Cyprinodon variegatus. Okay. It was uh, put in the same uh, oh, no. formaldehyde content, uh, samples of the Florida monsters, and, and contaminated for, the whole thing. Uh, some, uh, uh, some little features of the uh, Gulf of Mexico. Mm -hmm. And one century later, and this demonstrates the uh, the power mm. of this PCR method. Mm. Uh, <coughs> we find out DNA not of the monster but of the little fish. Yeah. Uh, so all the the conclusion is that uh, all the uh, biochemical tests made on the Florida samples uh, for a century. Mm. Uh, have been contaminated by this fish. Mm. Well, so this, uh, the, there was one possibility to solve the problem uh -huh. uh, that uh, a new uh, stranded uh, uh, cadaver looking like the Florida monster mm. uh, <coughs> occurred uh, nowadays, and this was the case in 2003, just the same year when the DNA test of the Florida monster and, in fact, of the little fish were available. Uh, and this time it occurred uh, the so called Chile, Chile, Chilean blob mm -hmm. in Chile uh, was found on the coast of southern Chile in 2003 with exactly the same uh, features uh, as the Florida monsters uh, one century earlier. Uh, the size, enormous size, the pink color of the uh, of the cadaver, the sort of woolly, woolly fringes uh, on the uh, on the cadaver. The, it was very hard to cut 
even with a scalpel, mm. uh, because it is made of almost pure collagen. Uh, the hemi the um, um, hemispheric shape of the so-called body, mm. uh, the sort kind of stumps of arms uh, from this uh, from this so-called body, uh, and so on. And this time, the DNA analysis without contamination, of course, show that this, uh, this blob from Chile was uh, uh, <clears throat> um, was the, the, the rotting sperm whale, more exactly, uh, the part of uh, mm. collagen which is found in the head of the sperm whale. And, of course, therefore, the Florida monster is just the same thing, um, a huge mm -hmm. mass of collagen from the head of the, of the sperm whale and not a giant octopus. And this closes, this is closing the, yeah. the case for the giant octopus, at least from the Florida monster mm -hmm. and uh, all the, um, the, um, uh, the relations which have been made with the uh, so-called giant scuttles mm -hmm. or lusca from the Bahamas Highlands, yeah. uh, which can be uh, uh, explained by uh, um, giant squids, mm -hmm. and also the um, a water phenomenon in the blue holes, the famous uh, caverns, uh, mm -hmm. deep caverns in the in the sea. Uh, in the Bahamas, uh, with the very strange uh, water phenomenon of uh, um, <coughs> uh, well, and uh, of course the, the the fear of being sunken, uh, either uh, a ship or a sailor mm -hmm. or a diver, uh, by these uh, very uh, dangerous uh, currents. Um, in the blue holes of the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. um, well, that doesn't that doesn't seem uh, no. Um, however, I, I, uh, I remain uh, I, I keep an open mind for the existence of a large, very large octopus species, even unknown to science. Uh, after all, uh, the um, uh, a very large octopus, uh, again off the New Zealand coast. New mm. Zealand is decidedly uh, very, <laughs> uh, very f um, fond of uh, cryptids. Um, uh, it, it was uh, um, fished <coughs> by a. Uh, fish uh, ship of uh, fisheries uh, activity, a very uh, large octopus, uh, Alifron atlanticus, and it might be one of the most uh, large species, uh, as big as the uh, the Pacific gi the giant Pacific octopus, wow. okay. the Seattle, Washington State, mm. etc., um, and uh, 
big, as big or possibly bigger than this uh, uh, well-known species. Wow, wow. Uh, <clears throat> and Alifron atlanticus, uh, despite its name, is not only living in the past, in the Atlantic Ocean, mm -hmm. uh, but also, well, in the in the Pacific Ocean. Um, well, um, I am sorry, but I, I have to... No, that's fine, that's fine. I just wanted to thank you, Michelle, and I, I didn't want to interrupt because, really, they were, you were giving such fascinating breakdown of your studies and the facts and for once i was very quiet in these in these interviews as everybody at home will will realize uh, michelle just very quickly before you go can you tell people uh where they can find your books uh, uh or you if they want to to look at your research uh my book tentacule uh -huh. which is a french word for tentacles uh, can be found uh on amazon uh -huh. okay. quite simply and my articles, uh, well, for instance, uh, um, on on Google, uh, <laughs> search for cetaceans. Uh, how do you say in English? Cetaceans. Ceta. Cetaceans. Cetaceans. Yeah, cetaceans. Yeah. Cetaceans with yeah. two dorsal fins. Uh -huh, yes. Patient with two dorsal fins, mm -hmm. and you will find my old article uh, 30 years ago mm. uh, on this uh, very strange uh, uh, cryptozoological file. Okay, and uh, uh, it was published in Aquatic Mammals, okay. and uh, the the file, the PDF file, uh, the PDF article can be uh, downloaded downloaded uh, uh -huh. <coughs> well if you look at uh, if you search on uh, google uh citations yeah uh, with double fit i I'll, and i'll put a link to that i actually have those pdfs i've downloaded your pdfs and i've read them and i have them so i'll put a link for everybody listening in okay. the description so they <laughs> they can find them and a link to tentacle as well um, and yeah, for anybody out there, I, I think it's definitely a great read. Michelle, thank you so much. It's been a, a bucket thank list you. moment, and I've, I've really enjoyed every moment. It was a pleasure to thank you so present much. my uh, uh, conception of cryptozoology. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.